At the beginning of the Second World War, there was a campaign, a propaganda campaign that came out called Loose Lips Sink Ships. And the idea behind that campaign was the fact that there were family members and those of military personnel who were having casual conversations with one another, but in those conversations they were revealing classified information. They were talking about the locations of ships. Oh, my cousin so-and-so is around Guam, or my friend is over near this island. And Well, if you're in wartime, you have the thing called spies. You have people who are around who hear that information. They hear you're just casual, harmless talk. And as a result of that casual, harmless talk, thousands of men lose their lives. That was the whole point behind this propaganda campaign. But there's a lesson to be learned in that for us as Christians as well. You see, there is a problem in our world today that many people struggle with, and yes, even those who are members of the Lord's Church. It is very common, you know, some people like to talk about what America's inherent sin is, but it seems like this one's pretty high on the list. We just see it everywhere, whether you're in a, a restaurant, whether you're in a store, whether you're in even a government office, you hear this kind of behavior. And friends, it is not for a Christian to be a part of. It is not for a Christian to be a part of. There is dangers behind this. Now, some people act like, well, it's just casual talk. It's not going to hurt it. I wouldn't say it to their face. Friends, that's the problem right there. <laughs> if you're not willing to say it to their face, it has no business being said at all. See, the word gossip is an interesting thing. It's fascinating when you go back and study where this word came from because the original meaning of the word was really quite harmless. In fact, it was a good thing. The origin of the word had to do with you're so close with somebody, they're giving you private information. You have knowledge that only a family member would have. Do you see where that word began to change? It changed from you have that information to you're sharing that information. It changed from you're sharing that information to you're sharing information that you don't know whether or not it's true. The word has changed over the years, but the dangers for it stay the same. The dangers for this behavior. So what's the first danger that we face as Christians by engaging in gossip? Well, the first danger that we face is it causes division among our brethren. It causes division from our brethren. Gossip is idle talk or rumor, especially the personal or private affairs of others, the acts also known as dishing or tattling. Why on earth would that be a problem for Christians to talk about some of this information? I'm sure you've had a moment before where somebody was talking about why maybe someone wasn't at church that day and maybe someone says, oh, well, they're sick. Another person said, oh, well, they're out of town. You call them and they say, yeah, I had a flat tire. Something as simple as that, but you had all these different stories. Do you not think the same thing can be true about important matters of character? Someone is engaged in a particular crowd or they're talking to people and the first thought that goes through people's minds is, oh, they're associating with that person. Oh, they've just gone off the rails if they're friends with that person. Do we know the reason they were talking with that person? Do we know the reason that they were around them? Probably not. See, Christians are not to be those who are engaging in behaviors that are just like the world. When Jesus was walking this earth, one of the 
common enemies that he faced was that of the Pharisees, the scribes, and the publicans, right? Those who were standing against him, those who were trying to stop his work, trying to hinder it in any way possible. And one of the things we read about them doing over and over again, Luke 15 is a great example of this, is that of gossip. In the beginning of Luke chapter 15, around verse 9, the Pharisees are talking about what, or scribes are talking about what Jesus is doing, and they say, This man receiveth sinners and eats with them. What do you think they're saying there? Do you think they were bragging on him, saying, Wow, he's, he's over here with the sinners and he's trying to convert them and trying to help? Do you think that's what they're talking about? That was an accusation. See, in this day and age, if you were associating with the enemy, those who were sinners, publicans, those who were collaborators with the Roman government, you would be ostracized, kicked out, separated from people. And so what are, the, what are these leaders saying? What are these religious men saying? They're saying, Jesus is a sinner. Jesus is breaking the social norms. Gossip. Gossip. They're trying to destroy his character, trying to discredit him in the eyes of the public. Is that something that Christians never engage in? Is that something that congregations of the Lord's church never see happen? It's always fascinating to me when you talk about gossip and you, if you were ever to accuse someone of being a gossip, they say, no, I'm not a gossip now. So-and-so, they're a gossip. And they never even catch what they just did. It's so easy. And the reality is, is that so much of it comes from just wanting to be involved. Or feeling threatened by someone else. Are those two characteristics that a Christian should ever be pushing? Yes, we want to be involved, but we want to be involved so long as we're following after Christ. Remember what Paul said. Be ye followers of me, under what condition? Even as I also am of Christ. No, we're not to be engaging in the ways of the world. Titus chapter 3 verse 10. If you go read that passage, you might think, well, what does this have to do with gossip, Josh? There's a word in that passage called a heretic. Heretic. Now that's a fun word. If you go hear the word heretic, you probably think, okay, well that's, if we're talking about history or whatever, we talk about the Catholic Church and how they talked about the heretics and they tried to kick those people out or execute them. The word heretic literally means divider. Division. Separation. Causing a problem. Separating people from what we're holding to. You see, Christians, God Himself encourages Christians to be unified. He encourages unity among us, not union. Now that's an important one right there, not union. Now what do I mean? You may have heard the old statement, if you tie two cats together, you have union but not unity. They're, they're going to be joined together, but they ain't going to be happy about it. That's about how many churches are, though. They say, well, we want, we want to be together. We just have to fix everything by being together. No. We fix our problems by having unity. Now, how do we have unity? We have one goal. We have one ruler, and we have one law. That's how we have union. That's how we work together. That's how we su support one another and strengthen one another. 
not by everyone wanting to do their own thing. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, this is exactly what Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus about. He's encouraging them to have unity, to unify together. If we go to the book of James, we see some of this division talk as well and how James is trying to encourage these people to be together, to focus on, focus on God Himself, focus on the source. Remember who has delivered you from many things. Remember who has delivered you from sin. Union. Not, not union, but unity. One of the best examples of those who are causing division and those who caused much problems in the early church was that of Diotrephes. Probably a word we've heard before. It's one of those... I heard someone say on an occasion that Christians almost have their own language. If you went up to someone and say, you're just a Diotrephes, it's not a compliment. <laughs> That's not a good thing to hear. Now, what was Diotrephes doing in 3 John verses 9 and 10 in particular? John is writing to the early, to the early church there, and he talks about this man Diotrephes, and how does he describe him? Let's go read exactly how he describes Diotrephes. Let's go to 3 John, starting around verse 9. 3 John, verse 9. And 3 John is a very fascinating book because it's both encouraging and discouraging at the same time. But let's start in verse 9. He says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, notice this next statement, pratting against us with malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. How is he describing Diotrephes? He says, not only is he hindering the work of the church, he's trying to discredit us to you. How? Gossip. Gossip, spreading rumors, spreading things, causing division among the brethren. Remember, there was a big movement in this day and age that there were men who were claiming to be apostles but were not. Claiming to be better than the apostles, claiming that they, they knew what was right and these apostles don't have a clue what they're doing. Paul dealt with them in the book of 2 Corinthians and it's not unique to Paul. Diotrephes was trying to cause this separation among the brethren. How? By using malicious words. Friends, words have power. Words are dangerous. Remember in the book of James how he describes the tongue. Notice how little fire the tongue kindleth. It's a danger that we have to keep control of that we have to be very conscious of the words that we use. Running people down can be a very easy thing to do, especially when we're frustrated, especially when we're hurt. And sometimes when that emotion comes to play, the truth gets a little fuzzy. The truth becomes distorted because it's my own emotion that's talking, not fact. I'm telling you what I feel about that person, not what the actual facts are. Now you say, well, that doesn't happen, Josh. People don't do that today. 
Over the past few years, how many people's reputations have gone up in smoke like that just because one person decided to open their mouth about something that wasn't even true? One can be guilty of a crime, reported, and face prosecution. That's how our legal system works. What they don't say is that you cannot commit a crime, be accused, found innocent, and your reputation still be destroyed. Your reputation be tarnished. Friends, it's almost as if the church today doesn't have another enemy, so we want to eat one another. We want to destroy one another. We look for boogeymans in every closet. We try to find any way to discredit that person because he said something I didn't like. It has to stop. And where does it start? With each of us making the commitment, it's not going to be me. I'm not going to be the cause of this division. I'm not going to cause division among my brethren. But more importantly, gossip causes division from God. Yes, I can have disagreements with my brethren. I may not be as close to them as I should be. And absolutely, it's going to be difficult to mend friendships sometimes. But this is where the rubber meets the road. Gossip separates me from God. How do you say that, Josh? How do you know that? Proverbs chapter 6. Yea, six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to Him. And one on that list is those who cause dissension among the brethren. Those who cause division. Friends, what is gossip if not division? You know what gossip causes? An us and a them. An us and a them. Well, if he were like us, he wouldn't be doing X, Y, or Z. The picture we had earlier on that previous slide, you see the people in the background, it's two people hiding back there, and they see the person ahead of them, but they're talking. They're just discussing amongst themselves. Just the idea that someone can be gossiping about you hurts. The fact is far worse. And friends, is there any world in which God is proud of us hurting others? Do you think God looks down from heaven, sees people gossiping amongst themselves, claiming to be Christians, and says, Yes, you're exactly like my enemies, the Pharisees, and I'm so proud of you. Do you think that's ever the circumstance? If we're honest with ourselves, we know what the truth is. Maybe we've seen people gossiping. Maybe we've had moments where people have gossiped to us and we just didn't stop it. But friends, if our idea of a Christian is trying to grow closer to God, then anything that separates us from Him has to go. Anything that causes division from Him has to go. See, God cannot have fellowship with darkness. <clears throat> he cannot be engaged with the things of this world. 
why would he spend so much time trying to separate us from the world? Allowing us to live here to try to help those who are in sin, absolutely, but separate us from the world. Why would he spend so much time if we could just act, talk, think just like them? Why would he care? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, what does it say? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not, notice this, conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Friends, we have sacrifices from the world because we cannot have God and the world. We cannot be on both sides of the fence. There's no neutral ground with God in the world. Not because God wants everything to be destroyed and God wants all people to be lost. No, no, no. But God knows there's only one path to salvation. He knows there's only one source that you can go to. He's just trying to bring people away from the world. The world's a sinking ship. He's offering a lifeboat. Gossip. Christians are to have purpose behind their words. The things that I say, the way that I act, communicates to others. And if I'm imitating Christ, if I'm trying to live a life that shows Him to the world, then I'm going to have purpose behind what I do. The unfortunate thing about our world is our intentions don't matter. What we say, what we do, how we act, does. I might not intend things to hurt someone else, but I don't have control of their hurt. I might say, well, I was just trying to be friends with these other people. Were they worth being friends with? If we try to draw people closer to God, let's draw them towards the real version. (laughs) Let's draw them towards the one who loves each and every one of us. Absolutely. But let's also draw them to the one that is not there just to berate people. It's not there just to sit and talk about people. When someone comes to the front row, it's not our job to sit there and say, okay, I wonder what they did. But it's also not our place to sit and talk about anyone's information if it's not ours to tell. Maybe you've heard this statement. It's not gossip if it's true. When the Pharisees said he received the sinners and eats with them, was that true? Did Jesus surround himself with sinners to teach them? Did he eat with them? It was true. But boy, did they spin it. Boy, did they change the meaning behind what was happening. 
Gossip is gossip, whether it's true or false. Purpose. I have purpose behind what I say. I have purpose behind what I do. And what is that purpose? To strive to be more like God every day. Not to grow farther from Him. Not to help others grow farther from Him. And most certainly, most certainly, not to give others the satisfaction of some juicy gossip. One of my instructors at Memphis, he used to talk about how, as a preacher, you have people come into your office and tell you private information sometimes. And he said, every now and again, you'll have that person or a couple people who will... They're just wanting to gossip. That's all they're wanting to do in that office. And he said every time they would come into his office, he had a piece of paper and a pen. He'd turn it around and say, I want you to write down the time, the date, who you are, and what you said. He said, ironically, I wasn't fun to gossip to. People didn't want to say that. They didn't want their name attached to that. If it's truly fact and harmless, what do I have to be ashamed of? What do I have to be ashamed of? If I'm speaking the things that are good, the things that are true, the things that are honest, the things that are just, the things that are pure, the things that are lovely and of good report, I have nothing to fear. If those are the things I'm thinking on, the things that I'm filling my life with, I have nothing to be afraid of. What about you this morning? Are you one who engages in this? I can't look out on the crowd and say, okay, I know so-and-so's a gossip and so-and-so's not a gossip. I don't know that. Only you do. Only you can look at your life and say whether or not you match this criteria. This is an opportunity for you to make your life right. To push this out of your life to say that my words are for God and God alone. As Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 says, I want my yea to be yea and my nay to be nay. I want my word to be my bond. That can be you this morning. You don't have to leave these doors unsure. You don't have to leave these doors scared of what tomorrow holds. You don't have to leave these doors knowing you've done wrong. You can make it right. God wants you to be with Him for all eternity, but maybe this morning you've never become a member of the Lord's church. You haven't done anything that's necessary for that. Maybe you're asking, how do I do it? His plan is simple. You must hear the word, Romans 10, 17. Believe it to be true, according to John 8, 24. And based upon that belief, I'm willing to repent of all of my past sins. Change my mind just brings a change of life, according to Acts 17, 30. And based upon that repentance, that changed mind saying, I'm not going to follow after the world anymore. I'm willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, according to Romans 10.10. And based upon that confession, we'd be more than happy to baptize you into Christ this very morning. Bearing that old man of sin, raised to walk in newness of life as we read in Romans chapter 8. And had that remission of sins as we read about in 1 Peter 3.21. But maybe this morning you are a member of the Lord's church and maybe this is something you've fallen into. Maybe the people you surrounded yourselves with, as we read in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, began to have corrupting your morals. These evil communications began to corrupt good morals. Maybe you just got caught up with wanting to fit in. Or maybe there's 
some problem in your life that it just made you feel better to maybe think someone else is worse than you. God wants you to come home. He wants you to make that right. He wants you to put that away from you. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where do you stand today? Do you understand the dangers? Do you want to make it right right now as together we stand and as we sing?